we're going through a switch of seasons in, in a really kind of big way. You know, the, the, the days are getting shorter, the temperature's getting colder. Um, I had to put the heating on in my office for the first time over the last kind of week or so. Um, there was snow in Devon this last week. How crazy is that? As my parents were driving home, they were driving through the snow um, last week. It just seems um, ridiculous, doesn't it? You know, the shops have started to be full of the Christmas decorations, uh, the big kind of Asda Christmas trees there with its countdown. The, uh, the adverts have started um, with uh, them competing to see who can have the best kind of Christmas advert this year. I know some of you have put up your Christmas trees already. And I know Rosie is already well into watching Christmas films. And uh, the cheesier, the better. The moment that it really hit me, though, was that the season had switched. It was on Wednesday this week. I, um, I had to drive to the dump. Um, and on my way to the dump, I passed the Carclays house. And it had its lights up. And I knew that moment had come. The season had changed. And if you don't know the Carclays house, it's on the way up to, to, uh, to the dump. There's this, this great house, which every year just kind of goes all out to decorate itself in lights. And as you go and drive past or you go to see it, it's like you've kind of stepped into one of these American kind of cheesy Christmas films for, for a moment. It doesn't quite fit, um, but it's a, an amazing kind of sight. Being completely honest with you, though, I find it all a bit weird, and um, it's not really me. I don't really understand. It's mid-November, you know. It, it seems a bit early, to, to, to be fair. Um, you know, some of you will be really excited about Christmas and uh, and looking forward to it, and just wanting to jump in there. And some of you will kind of be groaning internally as you kind of see the Christmas advert come on, or you kind of even hear me talking about Christmas today. You're like, oh. Already? It seems too, too soon. You know, whichever way you are in terms of this, though, we can't escape it, can we? It ends up becoming part of every conversation that you have. What are your plans for Christmas? What are you doing this year? And, uh, and it ends up kind of just dominating life and relationships and, and friendships. And, and there's so often this kind of cultural pressure to, uh, to have a perfect Christmas. And in order to have the perfect Christmas, we've got to plan and we've got to organize. We need to get the tree and we need to buy the presents and we need to have the turkey lined up and we need to plan when it is that we're going to see great Aunt Edna and you know, all the different kind of things that we've got to try and fit into to that kind of weak window or whatever it is. And there are all these different demands. Things which actually can end up feeling more like obligations of things that we've got to do in order for Christmas to be the way that it's meant to be. You know, but the truth is that so many of these things, even though they are good things, they can end up choking out the greater things. We can lose sight in the midst of the busyness, in the midst of all the plans, in the midst of the fun and the presents and everything else, we can lose sight of the real beauty of Christmas. We can lose sight of the greater things, the things of, of Jesus. And so I wanted to start talking about Christmas early because I wanted to try and beat the rush a little bit. You know, because we get in a couple of weeks' time and it's just all going to be there and you're all swept up and you're into it. And I wanted to try and beat the rush a little bit so we could kind of guard what Christmas is really all about. 
so that we can make decisions in advance about what we want to focus on and how we want to handle things rather than just getting swept up in this kind of pressure to to do all this different stuff. And so to help us do that, we're, we're going to go through a, a, a little kind of short series, um, and we're calling it a Christmas playlist. How many of you have ever made a playlist? Um, I imagine most of the kind of younger guys will, and probably a lot of you older guys as, as well. But a playlist essentially is just a list of songs that you kind of queue up to play one after the other. And um, you can have playlists for all sorts of different things. But, you know, a playlist is, is the music you want to surround yourself with. It's the music that you want to set the atmosphere for your party. You know, the, the, the playlist is, is the music that you want to try and get your mind in the right space and in the right place while you're working or while you're traveling. It's it's the, it's the music that you put on to maybe reflect your emotions and your moods and, and kind of where you're, you're at at different times. And that's really what this series is about. It's about creating a playlist of Christmas truth that we can push play on to surround ourselves with and to set the atmosphere for us over this Christmas season. So that we are surrounded by the greater things of Jesus. And to help you with this, I wanted to put in place trigger points. Trigger points that will help you to kind of, every time you come across them, every time they they happen, it will kind of push play on a different Christmas truth for you. It will kind of set that playlist going. And so so over the next few weeks, we're going to be kind of looking at and putting in place these trigger points using different carols that you are familiar with, that you're going to be coming across as you're walking through the supermarket. You're going to hear it playing out, and it's going to be a trigger point for you. As you kind of, we come here and we sing them in church, there will be trigger points for you to bring back to mind and to push play on the Christmas truth that we want to surround ourselves with and that we want to set the atmosphere for us over this next kind of Christmas season. And so the first kind of carol that we're going to be looking at and, and trying to kind of put, create this trigger point with of, of truth is, O come, all ye faithful. It's a classic carol. It's, it's one that I'm sure pretty much all of you know, all of you will have heard, all of you will have sung at, at different points. And here are the first kind of words to the, the first verse just leading into, into the chorus. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. And I say for many of us, these words are really familiar. But have you ever actually stopped to think about what you're singing? You know, when we go through this song, we're we're singing about how we get to to come and behold Jesus, to see something of who he is and to to worship him, which is great. But but look at the first line. Just think about what it is that we're we're singing in that, that first line. And ask yourself, who is it that's invited to come? Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. And from my own experience, from the words that have been shared today, from what I know that different people go through in seasons of life, there are times when we don't always feel faithful or joyful or triumphant. In fact, there are times when we may feel more like we're depressed and defeated and doubtful. You know, maybe you felt God prompt you to do something and, and it really, kind of that faith stirred in your heart and you said yes to God. 
And, and you started on that process, but then it turned out to be more difficult than you thought it was going to be. And so you kind of put the brakes on because it was a bit scary. And so you held back and time passed and you never got to it. And so as you, you kind of think about those words and you think about who is it who's invited to come, it's the faithful and uh, am I invited? Or maybe life is, is a hard for you and you feel low or you, you battle with depression. And so joyful is the last word that you would use to describe yourself. Or maybe you, you look back at the battles that you faced in almost these constant cycles over years with a particular sin and say, well, well, how am I triumphant? Maybe instead of feeling triumphant, so often, don't we, we feel like failures. We, we kind of feel, look at the expectations that other people put on us or maybe we put it on ourselves and we just feel like we can't match up. And so triumphant is, is not a word that we relate to. And so we sing out this carol with kind of great gusto because it's a Christmas carol and we know it. And, you know, it's this time where we all kind of rejoice without ever really thinking about what we're singing. And when you do stop and think about it, when I stop and think about it, I can't help but ask the question, who's actually invited? Who is it that Jesus calls? And if it's what it first looks like when we read these words, when we sing these words, then it's a pretty narrow group, isn't it? And not many, if any of us, would, would get to fit, would get to come. You know, the good news is that when we start to take our eyes away from just the carols that we sing and fix our eyes on who Jesus really is, we get a very different picture. When we see who it is who, that he calls, when he says come, who it is who he invites. This is what he says in Matthew 11 verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And in Matthew 9 verses 12 to 13, it says, On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, the good news is that it's almost like the carol's got it completely wrong. And we could rewrite this first ver- kind of words, this first line of the carol to say something more along the lines of, Come all ye sinners, weary and burdened. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him. Born the king of angels. You know, the wonderful thing is if you feel weary and burdened, if you feel like you're overwhelmed and you're just kind of barely holding on, if you're battling with sin, if you've got this sense of a brokenness inside of you, this sickness inside of you, then Jesus is saying to you, come. His invitation is to every single one of us here. And he calls you and he invites you in the midst of the mess. You know, the wonderful thing is this, that Jesus calls us in the midst of the mess, but that he loves us too much to leave us there. 
that he is the one who, as we, we, we surrender to him, is we surrender to him because all we need is found in him. Because he loves us too much to let us stay in the place of brokenness and neediness and hurt. You know, if, um, if my children come to me um, and they tell me that they're hungry, I love them too much to let them stay that way. You know, if they come to me and they tell them that, that me that they're hungry, it's not just that I accept them and I love them in the midst of their hunger and in the midst of their need. I love them too much to leave them there and I have the power to do something about it. And so, you know, I'll get them some fruit or I'll make them lunch or whatever it is at that, that particular moment. You know, Jesus loves us so much that he doesn't just accept us and invite us to come and love us in the midst of our need and in the midst of our brokenness. And that's amazing in itself that we get to come, even though we, we, we were so messed up, even though we got these, these different struggles and doubts. But he, he knows that he has the power to do something about it. And so he loves us to such an extent that he wants to meet that need to bring about change, to bring about transformation in our lives. He wants to meet that need so that we are moved from being people who are weary and burdened to make us new. He calls us, we'll become a new creation. This is what we read in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. And this is the truth that I want, O come all ye faithful, to trigger for you this year. I want it to trigger for you when you sing this carol, when you hear it playing in the background. Let it remind you that Jesus loves you and he accepts you and he invites you to come as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. And that he wants to work in your life to make you a new creation. To transform you from the inside out. To be someone who is faithful, joyful, and triumphant. You know, this is an amazing truth that we want to add to our Christmas playlist. That we want to surround us. We want to set the atmosphere. So let's just unpack a little bit what it means. If Jesus, if it's not that the, the, the prerequisite is that we're already faithful, joyful, and triumphant, but that we come as we are so that Jesus can make us faithful, joyful, and triumphant, what does that mean? What does it look like for us to be those things? And we get great insight into how Jesus is working in us from the inside out to help us to become more faithful in Hebrews. Where the writer writes, Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2, and he says, he says, and let us run. With perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I love this verse because it has this great mix in it where it makes it clear that we've got a responsibility. That we have a role we have to play, that there's a job for us to do, that we need to apply ourselves to run the race with perseverance, to do all that we can to be faithful to Jesus. It doesn't let us off the hook. But it says alongside that, ultimately, Jesus is the author of your faith. Jesus is the one who gives you the gift of faith, who enables that relationship with your heavenly Father to, to be. And he's the perfecter of our faith. 
I love that because it makes it, it clear that our faith is still a work in progress. That while it may have begun, he's authored it, that it's not perfect yet. That, that we're flawed, that we have our doubts, we have our questions, we have these different things going on. But as we run with perseverance, as we do all that we can, as we play our part, Jesus then helps us to grow and he matures us and he works in us in order to perfect our faith. And and in those times then when our faith is weak, in those times when we have those doubts and we have those questions, in those times when we have fear, It's not that we're no longer invited to come because Jesus is here and he's saying, I take your weak faith, I take your broken faith and I'm perfecting it. I perfect your faith and present you as faithful before the Father. And so we can sing, oh come all ye faithful, because we are declared faithful, not based on us being these great people and men and women of, of faith but because Jesus is the one who makes us faithful. And when it comes to our responsibility, when it comes to how we play our part, how we run that race with perseverance, how we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is this author and perfecter, there's a couple of things that I want to encourage you to do, simple things but powerful things. Romans 10 verse 17 says that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And Jude verse 20, only one chapter in Jude, great little chapter. Verse 20 says, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So take time in God's word and take time in prayer in God's presence. Because the more that you get to see of who God is, the more it will stir your heart in faith. No, there is power in God's word. You know, let me just read some verses for you from um, Isaiah 43. For those of you who are, who are struggling, for those of you who are going through a trial at the moment, let these just stir faith in you as, you as God just speaks into your heart. This is what he writes. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. In the midst of whatever you are going through, if you feel like you are drowning, like it's all too much, God is saying to you right now, I am with you. I will not let the waters sweep over you. You will not drown. I am the Lord, your God. I'm your Savior. Come to me. Come to me. Now, Jesus wants to work in your heart and your mind this Christmas. So that you would grow in faith. And that only comes through us growing in our vision of who he is. So that we know that we can trust him. Because out of our trust, we become faithful. 
to surround yourself with his word, to take time in prayer in his presence. That your vision of him would grow and he would be able to work in your heart to make you faithful. No, but not only does Jesus want to work in us to help us to grow and to become more faithful, he wants to help us to become more joyful. And joy, this is one of those things, isn't it? Joy is, is something that the Bible talks about a lot, but to be honest, I think we rarely really understand what it's saying. And often when we come across this word joy or joyful, there's something in us that, that struggles with it. We find it hard to understand. You know, we, we know joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's part of what God is wanting to, to work inside of us. But often there seems to be this kind of disconnect between what we read about and what we feel. Because we don't feel very joyful. And so when the Bible starts talking about shouting for joy or being joyful in all circumstances, we find that hard. And, and we kind of think, well, it's a great idea. It's a good ideal. I wish I could be there, but I'm just, I'm not. And one of the things that I've found really helpful as I've kind of wrestled with this is coming to understand that joy and hope are inextricably linked. You see, joy is not about what we have in the here and now. It's about the hope we have for what's coming. You see, our happiness is based on the here and now. And because of that, it's fragile. So you can have happiness in a moment when you're enjoying your family, and it's great. You can have happiness in a moment when, when God blesses you with something in creation, and you're just enjoying the, the beauty of it. You can have happiness in a moment when you, you, your boss comes and tells you what a great job you've been doing, and he wants to give you a pay rise. You can have happiness in all sorts of different moments in the here and now. But it's fragile. But our hope is based on what we know is coming. On the promise that we have in Jesus. And because of that, it's unshakable and it's unchanging. You know, one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, he, he writes um, some of the letters in the Bible. And, and one Peter particularly is, is written to the church in the, as it's facing suffering and persecution. And Peter is real about the difficult times that they are facing. He's real about, about the pain. He's real about everything which is going on. And this is what he writes in 1 Peter 1 verses 8 to 9. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now... You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You don't see him in the here and now, but they believe in him. And so they have this hope for the future that gives them this inexpressible and glorious joy. This joy that one day while they don't see him in the here and now, one day they're going to see him face to face. And Jesus will look at them and with love he will say, well done, good and faithful servants. That they will enjoy eternity in God's presence and in that time, what they are going through now will be like a moment long forgotten. 
is why happiness is about the here and now. But our joy depends on Jesus. Because of what's going on in the here and now, we may well not be happy. And sometimes you just need to be given permission that actually, you know what, there are seasons of life where you're not going to be happy. And that's, it's tough and it's hard, but it's okay. You have to beat yourself up and make it an even more difficult season by trying to make yourself feel like you've got to be happy even though things are rubbish. You know, there are times when we can be grieving and there are times when we can be sad. There are times when we can be processing hurt and it will not be happy. But in a biblical sense, not in the sense that we so often talk about it with Christmas time, but in a biblical sense, we can still be joyful. Because we have a hope that isn't based on the here and now, but based on Jesus. And we to celebrate Christmas, we are fixing our eyes on Jesus. We are celebrating and remembering not only the fact that he came in the past, but that one day he is going to come again. We are celebrating the fact that while right now we have received the gift of of salvation, we only see in part. And there is a time that is coming when we will see in full that right now, in the here and now, we might have only just tasted the appetizer. But there is a time that is coming when we will get to sit down at the banquet. So often, you know, through the, the cheesy kind of Christmas films and the TV adverts, we get sold this idea of the magic of Christmas and this kind of magical Christmas moment. That it's a, a, a time when everything's right and you get to enjoy this kind of Christmas miracle. And if we're not careful, we end up making the cultural Christmas dream our hope. And our hope is inextricably tied to our joy. And so when our Christmas doesn't match up, and it never does, we struggle to be joyful. And we say, how can I ever feel joyful? You know, as you sing out, O come all ye joyful, let it be a trigger point for you of the Christmas truth. That you have joy because your hope is in Jesus. That Christmas time might be hard. You might not have loved ones with you. Things might be difficult. It might bring back memories. There might be pain associated with it. You might not be happy. And don't feel a pressure to be happy. But in the midst of it, know that you have hope that is sure, that is certain, that is unchanging and unshakable. That the best is yet to come. That one day... One day you'll see him face to face. One day you'll get to sit at the banquet. One day that day is coming. So you can have a joy even in the midst of the difficulties. The last thing then that this carol picks up on is how Jesus wants to transform us from the inside out to become more triumphant. And that's a word that we don't use much, isn't it? That's a word that seems a bit alien. We can kind of understand faithful. We can kind of understand joyful. But the idea of being triumphant is a a little bit odd. You know, and there are times when the reality for every single one of us is that we might be triumphant in one area of life, but in another area of life, things are pretty rough. 
and we feel pretty weak. The reality is that in this life, we're not always going to be the winners. You know, I remember um, going back, because you see, one of the things I think we've got to get hold of in terms of this, in terms of, you know, when, when we look at ourselves, there will always be times when we don't feel triumphant. But when we look at Jesus, when we realize who it is who has our back, when we look beyond ourselves, it changes. And so I remember back when I was um, about 11, and I'd started in high school, and there was a couple of lads who, who were giving me grief. And, um, you know, and, and it kind of ends up in that situation. You, you kind of walk around school grounds and go between lessons, and you're always kind of nervously watching for where these kind of guys are. And, um, and that doesn't leave you feeling very triumphant. But then, my sister, she's about three years older than me, my sister started going out with a guy, and, and he was a bit rough. He probably wasn't the best for her, but he was good for me. Because, um, <laughs> you see, see, what happens in a school is news travels fast. And, um, and these guys learned that, that my sister's boyfriend, he had my back. And so now I was able to walk around school with my head held high, with a sense of confidence, with a sense of triumph and victory. And I hadn't laid a finger, I hadn't done a thing, nothing it was about me. But somebody had my back, and it changed everything. You see, if we can get a hold of who Jesus is and who it is who has our back, It will transform us from the inside out to be people who are confident and triumphant. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14, he says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. That we are in Christ, that the battle is won, and he who is the victor is the one who is leading us. He's the one who is with us and before us, leading us in triumphal procession. He's leading us in the here and now in triumph. You know, we get a great picture of who Jesus is and who it is who has our back in some verses in Isaiah that we often read around Christmas time. This is Isaiah 9. He writes, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. This is the Jesus who has your back. And who leads you in triumphal procession. You know, this is Isaiah prophesying about the young baby who will be born in a manger. And as we, we put together those kind of little nativity scenes that we like to do, and, you know, we get the little figures out of the wrapping paper, and we, we set them all up, and we place the, the baby in the manger. Remember that while he was once a baby laid in a manger, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That he is the one who spoke creation into being. That he is the Prince of Peace. That he is mighty God. Wonderful counselor, that he is the the, the one who has your back. You know, we need to understand who it is who fights with us and for us so that we can be transformed from the inside out to be people who are triumphant, so that we can look at our circumstances and we can look at different things going on. We can look at our fears and our worries for the future and we can stop being like me in the high school, walking around nervously, watching for these things that are going to get us. And we can hold our head up high and walk with confidence because Jesus is with us. So I want to encourage you. 
to add this Christmas truth to your playlist. Jesus loves you, and he is for you, and he accepts you, and he invites you to come as you are. In all the brokenness, in all the mess, in all the questions, in all the doubts. But he loves you so much that he won't leave you there, that he wants to work in you and transform you from the inside out. So even if you might right now be feeling like you're defeated and doubtful and depressed, that he will work in you to transform you to be someone who is faithful and joyful and triumphant. And if we're going to experience him at work in our lives in that kind of a way, we need to make space in the midst of the busyness to do exactly what the carol goes on to say. Oh, come and behold him. Fix your eyes on him. Look at him. Worship him. See something more of who he is. Don't get lost in the midst of the busyness of family plans and presents and food, but fix your eyes on Jesus. So as you start to make decisions about Christmas, as I say, I wanted to get in early so that, because you, so that you can plan in advance. You make a playlist in advance. You don't make it in the moment. So plan in advance. Put together this playlist in advance of the truth that you want to surround yourself with, what you want to set the atmosphere, how you want to be and live this Christmas. And that might mean not filling every day and every moment with family and visits and seeing this person and that person To know that even though it might be hard and you might worry about upsetting someone, it's okay to say no sometimes. It's okay to say no to things and it's okay to say no to people. And it might mean taking the pressure off with spending. Because our minds can end up being full and leaving no space for anything else. Because all that we're thinking about is, is how do I find the, the best bargain for this and save some money there? Or we're thinking about how we're going to pay for everything that we've just bought. Or we're thinking about all the different people and trying to make sure we don't miss buying a present for somebody and causing offense. You know, so-and-so spent this much on me last year, so I, I need to try and remember that and, and make sure I kind of equal that and spend that on them this year. And all of these kind of things, even though they might be good things, I'm not saying let's not do any of them, but they can end up suffocating and choking out the greater things, the things of Jesus. The real beauty of the truth of how Jesus loves you and he says to you, come. Come as you are. That you might find your hope in me. To take off the pressure. Take away the sense of obligation and duty. Make a a budget about how much you want to spend and who you want to buy for so that you then, and just stick with it. Make it in a way which isn't overwhelming. So not in that kind of way where you go, okay, I've made my list and it's every single person that I've ever said hello to. But make it in a way which is realistic and makes space and time for you to be able to focus on Jesus. Make your plans in terms of who you want to visit and how you want to spend time in a way which leaves you with capacity and not worn out so that you can enjoy what Jesus has for you. You Now plan in advance. 
make the decisions now because in a couple of weeks' time, you're just going to get caught up and swept away and it's all going to be happening. I'm going to pray as we finish, but, and I know it's early, so please forgive me. It's mid-November. It kind of cringe inside too. But we're going to take a moment because I want to make this a trigger point. And so I want to try and create as many different ways for you to connect this carol with the truth that we're talking about. So we're going to finish by singing, Oh, come all you faithful, because I want you to associate it not just with Christmas carols and going out and singing on the streets. I want you to associate it with this truth that we've been declaring. For you to sing it out knowing that it's not saying, I need to try and be this. But it's saying, come as you are so that Jesus can make you joyful and faithful and triumphant.